0: Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top rated sports book app. As we head into week seven, we have a special podcast for you. We'll be joined by the 49ers Pro Bowl tight end, a man of the people, a man of great spirit, George Kittle. And then we'll be joined by the man who left Michigan early, Nico Collins, as Michigan gets ready to open its season. Saturday night on the road at Minnesota, and Nico Collins, who would have been starting at wide receiver, opted out of the season. And we'll talk to him about his thoughts on why he left school. And then we'll have our ESPN analytics statistical guru, Evan Kaplan, break down Jimmy Garoppolo's return to New England, the Russell Wilson Kyler Murray matchup, and the matchup of the unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans. All right, before we get into today's episode, I want to tell everyone about another ESPN podcast, Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney, with the 2020 World Series just around the corner. Make sure you listen to ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney as he leads the baseball discussion alongside other top analysts. Download and subscribe to Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney, as well as the Adam Schefter podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's interesting because as we record this podcast on Tuesday morning, this marks the one year anniversary of Ryan Tannehill replacing Marcus Mariota, the former number two overall pick, and the Titans' performance taking off from there. And really, when you look at it, Ryan Tannehill has keyed that performance. He's been the engine that has made that team go and turn them into one of the best teams in the NFL. When Ryan Tannehill was coming out, it's funny, he has basically shined in a way for a longer period of time, more than the other quarterbacks from his draft class. Andrew Luck, who went number one, Robert Griffin III, who went second. And I remember when Washington traded up, And I remember talking to the Washington head coach at that time, Mike Shanahan. remember Mike saying to me that he thought that Ryan Tannehill had a real chance to be as good, if not better, than any quarterback in that class. And you remember, Tannehill at Texas A&M played wide receiver, was converted to quarterback. And Shanahan back then liked him as much as the other quarterbacks. Now, that would have been a controversial take time if we had come out around that draft and said, hey, the Washington head coach who's taking RG3 believes just as much in Ryan Tannehill. I'm sure Mike won't mind me saying this, but he did. He was a big Ryan Tannehill supporter. And I think he's been validated because Ryan Tannehill now has started 15 games for the Titans. He's thrown for almost 4,000 yards, 3,966 to be exact he's thrown for 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions, run for 258 more yards and run for five touchdowns. And in those 15 games, Tennessee Titans are 12 and 3. And Ryan Tannehill plays for a Tennessee team right now that really dealt with the first outbreak in the NFL. And we all know that seems to be the story that follows the league all season long. And what it has felt like to me is a game of whack-a-mole. That's what it feels like. Every single day, there's another situation that pops up. Whoop, let's take care of the situation in Tennessee. Whoop, we have a situation in New England. Whoop, we have a situation in Jacksonville. Whoop, we've got a situation in Atlanta. Whoop, we've got a situation in Indianapolis. Whoop, we've got a situation in Carolina. And the season's going to go on like this. That is how this is going to play out. Whack-a-mole. Slam one down, another one pops up. But the story of Tuesday, no doubt, was the Miami Dolphins making the decision to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick and to start Tua Tungo-Vailoa after their bye week this week. He'll make his first start at home next week against Aaron Donald and the Los Angeles Rams. And we know what Tua could potentially bring to the Dolphins. They feel like this is the right time for him physically, mentally, emotionally. They saw what he could bring. On Sunday, in the two minutes he played against the Jets. And I think they figured if he was good enough to play Sunday against the Jets, then why isn't he good enough to start now, especially with Joe Burrow playing well in Cincinnati and Justin Herbert playing even better in Los Angeles with the Chargers? And so it's tour time. But that also means it's no more time for Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was a guest on this podcast a few weeks back and who is incredibly well liked and respected and loved in that locker room. And I think that Tua could not have a better mentor to learn from than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that was illustrated on this podcast when Fitzpatrick was talking about paying it forward with Tua.
1: I think I have had such a great career in in terms of the people that I've met and the people that have helped me out along the way. And I just view it as paying it forward a little bit. And that I've, you know, I've made enough mistakes for, you know, plenty of quarterbacks combined with the things that I've been through and done. And to be able to share those experiences, the good and the bad with some of these younger guys, if I could, you know, be a small part of helping them in their career and making them a better player, then that makes it worth it to me. So, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for Mark Bolger and Gus Farad and and Jamie Martin and a guy like Carson Palmer who really took time and helped me out and went out out of their way to make sure that you know I had a chance to be successful so when I think back to those years and to those guys especially a Carson Palmer and the way that he affected my career even just being able to observe and watch him every day I feel very happy and privileged to be in the position that I'm in right now to be able to pay it forward to somebody like Tua.
0: And there's just another example of why Ryan Fitzpatrick is so well-liked, so well-respected, and so well-loved around the league and will continue to be so even as the backup for Tua Tungavailoa. And so the Whack-A-Mole season continues on Sunday with the next great slate of matchups and some highly anticipated matchups, including. The 49ers going to New England. And in that game, the Patriots will get a chance to see one of the best players in all of football. A man who Bill Belichick said is as good as anyone he's seen, which usually is something that Bill Belichick likes to do. The week he's facing an opponent, butter them up. But in this case, it's true. George Kittle is that good. And George Kittle joins us now. How you doing, Adam? Nice to be with you. I appreciate you taking some time.
2: Oh, are you kidding me? I got to promote some Pan Express. This is what I do on a daily basis anyways.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say to you, George. What I was going to say to you at the outset is, look, you've got business to do. I've got business to do. So let's get your business out of the way first, and let's have you share whatever you want to share before I go into my business.
2: Oh, I love it. You know, I get a, I get a, I've been able to uh, partner with Pan Express um, and this year's campaign is actually kind of special to me um it's about honey sesame chicken breast which is one of my favorite dishes at pan express and it used to be a um you know a seasonal you know entree that you could get but they're bringing it back full-time year-round and i'm really excited about that so i can get it you know my couple times a week um <clears throat> but another big thing that pan express is doing is they're doing the national end day uh promotion you know to support me a little bit in the nfl tight ends um, anytime you spend over $10, um, uh, anytime you spend over $10, you get free delivery. So i I think that's a pretty cool deal. Um, up until November 7th. So, uh, it's a pretty special deal. Honey sesame chicken breast is back, spend $10, get free delivery. And now it's talking football.
0: And it's at PandaExpress.com. I'm going to even get a plug for you there, George. How about that? Cause I like you. Hey, if you, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> it goes a long way. The least we can do. Now, the last time I spoke with you, I don't even know if you remember this was we were in the Bay Area for Monday Night Countdown, 49ers, Browns. I think you had a couple of crack ribs you weren't playing that night, and I was wandering the bowels of the stadium at that particular point in time. And I don't think I ever had the honor of meeting you before, but you were coming out of the 49ers locker room at that time. And I remember you were saying that it was
2: destroying you not to be able to be out there. You remember that meeting? Oh, I do. See, Hmm. I don't remember when that was because I don't – the only game – oh, that was – um, that, that was the Seattle Seahawks game. No, That's no. Oh, but yeah,
0: now, it was the yeah, – you're right. It was the Seahawks. We I was in – you're right. I was there twice last year. And right, you're exactly right. Okay, I have the games mixed up, but I was there oh, for yeah. a Monday night game last year. I'm wandering in the bowels of the stadium. You're outside the locker room, and you were losing your mind
2: about not being able to play. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not not being able to play—that's not fun, you know. And uh, you just want to be able to be there for your teammates and missing, you know, a game like that too, which is a divisional rival. Um, it, that would have been a really fun game. And yeah, whenever I whenever I miss games, it it kind of eats me apart, uh, just kind of tears me down. So uh, happy that I'm back, happy that I'm healthy, and glad that I get to play every single week again because I'm not very good at missing games.
0: Yeah, you missed early on this season. That can't be very enjoyable for a guy that loves to play as much as you love to play, I would imagine. What do you do during these games like that when you're not playing? How do you watch it?
2: Just try to look at the positives. Um, it's like an early bye week for me, I guess. It's, that That's a bit, that's about the only yeah. positive I could take out of it. Um, get the body right. Um, but uh, I really have the matches to try to encourage you guys. And, um, you know, we had a really good tight end room with, uh, you know, Jordan, we got to play those games. I know he got hurt, but uh, he'll be back soon. And, but during those games, just try to be there for him. Ross Diwali, who uh, he did a fantastic job those two weeks that I was out. And um, Charlie Warner, my rookie tight end. And so, you know, just try to help the tight ends out as much as I can. Try to help out the team. Uh, just encourage and you know, show that I'm going to be back out there soon, which is uh, what I did. And now that I'm playing again, I can kind of lead by example again, which is what, I, what I'm good at.
0: George, Sunday night you scored a 44-yard touchdown. You catch the pass. You break into the clear. What is it like to see – an open field like that in front of
2: you? Honestly, my first thought is I really hope there's not a penalty because I know this is going to be a touchdown. Because <laughs> I've had a couple of those, those called back where I've seen wide open field and it just gets called back. So that was my first thought. And uh, luckily there wasn't one. But when you do see that green space, it's just like I have to do everything I can to not get hawked down because that's about the only embarrassing thing that could happen at this point. And so I uh, just got to unhitch that wagon from behind and try to run as fast as I possibly can and you get into the end zone, that was quite a
0: celebration with Mike McGlinchey. Can you take me through what's going on there?
2: Uh, that's a shimmy. Uh, we just kind of came up with that. Whenever I get this touchdown, we get a little shimmy <laughs> shake action in. and You know, who better else to do it with than my, my starting right tackle, who's just an absolute animal himself. So, you know, get a short little personalities right there.
0: Do you practice that in during the week at you all? Know? Like, uh, how do you know how to shimmy like that? Because I, I don't know how. You
2: know, that was a one-time – we practiced it one time. He was like, hey – we should do something. And what about a shimmy? And I was like, let's try it. Did it once, worked perfectly, we're locked in. And now <laughs> that's just what it's going to be like probably for the rest of my career as long as I play with Mike.
0: <laughs> so there'll be more shimming if there are more touchdowns?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I, gotta, I got to get on Coach Shanahan and try to get more touchdowns to give the people what they want. Well, let me ask you a question. I want to see you shimmy with Kyle. Oh, I don't know. I usually just run into him and give him a big shoulder bump. That's what he said. He said I was too physical with him to celebrate. I always try to find him during warmups and get a cheap shot at him while I'm in my full uniform and he's not. He hasn't seen me coming. Just to make sure he's physically ready for the game. All right,
0: now you have a game this upcoming week against the New England Patriots. Jimmy G goes back to Foxborough, all those storylines. Did you happen to hear what their head coach, Bill Belichick, said about you this
2: week? Uh, Yeah, my, my mom sent me the link to the article as soon as it came out. She makes sure that I see everything that is said about me.
0: For those who don't know, Bill Belichick said, and I quote, that George Kittle is as good as anybody that I've coached or as good as anybody that we've played against. How does that make you feel?
2: I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, coming from a coach, like um, coach Belichick who a future hall of fame coach, and um, you know, he's a guy that because of the success he's had and how long he sustained it, he he knows what he's talking about. And so to get a compliment like that from him, it, it means a lot um and it just makes me excited to, even more to play this sunday and uh you know go out there and just prove that i belong in that conversation
0: now he's great at taking away a unit's best weapon and you are the thing i would imagine without knowing their game plan specifically that they're going to try to lock up and take away on sunday how do you handle something like that george
2: do you have details for me or something like that that yeah, you're not sharing sure? yeah 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 with
0: without know I, i'll bet you you get some double teamed you get you know guys coming underneath over the top all sorts of
2: things you're going to get all sorts of things you don't think that that's going to be the case oh no uh i expect it and i welcome it and i'm looking forward to it like i said i mean um it's it's going to be interesting you know my first time playing the patriots and i'm excited to go up in foxborough and uh, i've had a couple of former college teammates that played up there and so uh, i'm excited to uh, you know, be there and uh the challenge because you know they give every single week, they uh, they come out swinging and they give everyone their best punch. And that's why they've been good for so long. So I'm excited to see what our team can do and uh, how we're going to handle it.
0: So you've never played the Patriots. Have you ever, so you've never played in the Boston area,
2: I take it, either? I've not, no. I've never, the closest I got, I think I played at Rutgers. Wow, George, I-
0: you, you know what you got to do? I know that there are limitations on what you can do on the road this year, but it's a late fall weekend in the new england area you got you got to get in the car and go see the foliage i'm not kidding you.
2: oh dude i know this is uh i, I really wish that we weren't going to be on lockdown because usually on road trips especially when we get because we'll be in on a friday and so we'll have all of saturday afternoon off and usually me and fred warner go get lunch somewhere like at a at a fun restaurant so but i don't think we'll be able to do that but i'll uh, try to get a view from the top of the hotel if they if they let me go up there
0: it's really beautiful to be back there in the fall, that time of the year. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, see what I, I'll see what I can do. Maybe take a picture and I'll send it your way. Yeah, please do. I, w- I have a, a generic general question. You're a 27-year-old guy. You went to high school in the Iowa and Oklahoma area. You moved to the Bay Area after the 49ers pick you in the fifth round, 146 overall selection. You now are playing on a five-year contract worth up to $75 million, $40 million guaranteed what's it like to be 27 as good at what you do as anybody in the game have all that money in the bank all the notoriety you do be as cool and fun and as hip as you are what's it like to be 27 year old george Kittle in the bay area
2: it's fun i mean, have the best way to put it um it uh it, it's definitely an experience you know i just try to be me every single day and i try to enjoy it every single day and um yeah, having the, the contract and, you know, money in the bank, that's it's pretty awesome because, you know, seeing that in your bank account is pretty wild, and you know, I've never seen that before, so just appreciative of, you know, hard work paying off, and, um, you know, now I'm just working for that next contract, and you know, that's just kind of what my mindset is. I got this one, and now I'm just going to try to get better every single day and uh, prove that I, I deserve another one in a couple of years. But you can
0: still get there. 27, you got plenty of time to get that next contract, George.
2: Oh, I know. I'm I trust me. I, I got I just got to put some good good football on tape and uh, the rest will take care of itself. And before I let you go, can you
0: just describe to everybody listening today, George, what it's like to play in the season of COVID with all the testing that you go through and all the added stress that comes along with this season? You know, I,
2: I will say this, it's early on, it was it was really weird. Um like especially like the first game, this camp itself like you really didn't know, like we weren't sure if the season was really going to take off, and you know everything was going to, you know, happen all the games. Um, but our um, our staff did such a wonderful job of making the the unknown and the weird normal. Um, so it, it normalized pretty quick for us, you know. Especially um, we got that first, you know, we we lost against Arizona, but like by that time we kind of had a routine of the testing and like the sick, the social distance, the wearing the mask, and. Our staff did such a good job of normalizing it. And so, I mean, at this point, I mean, it doesn't really seem that different than last year, honestly, other than the no fans and, you know, you can't leave the hotel when you're traveling. Like, Obviously that's different, but overall, I I think that um, guys are adjusting well and um, they're figuring out their routines now and, you know, the things that they can and can't be doing. And um, I'm just, I'm lucky to be a part of an organization that has made it this easy on us.
0: George, you mentioned that you didn't know that the season was going to take off. Do you have any questions or doubts? That you'll be able to finish the season.
2: No, I mean, you know, honestly, I just work here, so and that's that is what it is. You know, I, I just play. So, um, but I feel like uh, with the new rules and stuff that came out, and they're being stricter uh, with masks, and you know, I know they're monitoring some things. So, um, I'm I'm confident. You know, and the teams that are gonna, I think most teams are taking it very seriously, if not all teams are taking it incredibly seriously, and as long as we are um, you know, all in it together. Cause you know, the NFL, is, it, it is, it's a big brotherhood and it is a, it's a family. And so as long as we're all in it together, I think, I think we can get this thing done and I'm really looking forward to it because I feel like we're just getting kind of on a heater. Let me
0: say, I think the league will finish. I let that be known for the record. I think the league gets through the whole year. They will push through. Yeah. They will find,
2: they will find the way to get it done. That's yes, what I believe. Yeah, no, I, and like, I mean, like I said, like it's already, we've faced some challenges and we've overcome those challenges and, um, they they're fixing some things, and I mean it's it's going to be an ongoing process. But uh, I, I think it's going really really well so far. I mean we're, we're six weeks into the season. Like, did anyone really think this was going to be happening like three months ago?
0: Yeah, no, no. I think we're already ahead of the game. Hey, George, I want to thank you very much for the time. I want to wish you continued success. I want to wish you happy National Tight End Day on October twenty fifth, hey! where Panda Express will be offering guests free delivery with a ten dollar purchase ordered at Panda's website. So. I think we got in the plugs at the beginning, the end, you did what you had to do. I did what I had to do and it worked out very well. And hopefully you'll get the chance to do this again down the line. I wish you luck in New England on Sunday. Hey, thank you so much. It
2: was a pleasure to be on.
0: Thank you, George. There is 49ers pro bowl tight end, George Kittle, the man that's New England's problem on Sunday. All right. Last Friday had one of those nights that are a lot like every night during COVID where you're at home and you're staying inside. And my wife is the controller of the remote control, and she kind of surfs through some things. Very rarely do we watch anything that I want to watch because I get to watch sports on the nights that there are games on, and so the nights that there are no football games, I'll let her watch whatever she wants. But on this particular night, Friday night, last Friday night, I said to her, would you mind watching this documentary that ran on HBO, Wildcard, The Downfall of a Radio Loudmouth, which is about Craig Carton, a former... New York sports talk radio host who went to prison, watched the whole thing, had a certain idea of what it would be like going in. It was better than I thought. It was really, really good. So anybody that gets a chance to watch that, highly recommend it. And what was great about it is right after it ended, my wife flipped over to ABC, which on 2020 was airing a three-part series called John Lennon, His Life Legacy, Last Days. Where John Lennon's close friends and colleagues provide insight into his life and lasting memory. And I got to tell you something that that was unbelievable. Wow, I mean everybody remembers Howard Cosell delivering the news about John Lennon being shot outside his apartment on the Upper West Side, where not far from where I lived when I moved back to New York in 2006. And to hear the story of how it unfolded was just wow, and. They had a newsman in the hospital who worked for ABC, a producer, who happened to be in the halls when they rushed in John Lennon for emergency surgery. And of course, he's an iconic figure. He's one of the great figures in American history, John Lennon. But I was just as interested in the newsman's approach to this huge story unfolding in front of him and how he was able to confirm and handle that John Lennon had been assassinated. The guy was in there for surgery and heard that it was John Lennon and was peering into the rooms. And it just was very interesting the way he handled it. And he called his news desk at ABC to say, I think we have John Lennon here. And they said, wow, there was a shooting outside the Dakota, which was the apartment that John Lennon lived in. And they were able to piece together that one plus one equals two, which is sometimes how it works in journalism, although they had other information to corroborate it, which then led them to pass on the information to the ABC News Desk, which passed it on to Howard Cosell, who delivered it to the entire country during Monday Night Football. And all this was explained during this great show on ABC John Lennon, his life, legacy, and last days. And you can watch that uh, on ABC Demand streaming. And I highly, highly recommend that. All right, before we get to the Michigan wide receiver, Nico Collins, who I don't believe has spoken much publicly about his decision to opt out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p.com/adam. And now, the former Michigan wide receiver, I don't like to say former Michigan wide receiver, but the former Michigan wide receiver who opted out and will miss Saturday night's Big 10 Michigan opener in Minnesota Nico Collins. Nico? Hello. It's Adam Schefter. How you doing, Nico? I'm doing good. How you doing? Thank you very much for taking the time. Truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I think a lot of people have wondered what Nico Collins is up to. So why don't you just tell everybody what Nico Collins is doing?
3: <laughs> well, right now, uh, Nico Collins is training, getting prepared for an NFL combine down here in Pensacola, Florida, at XO's. So that's what I'm doing right now.
0: And Nico, your former college, my former college, Michigan, <laughs> opens okay. up Saturday night at Minnesota. What will that be like for you not being a part of that?
3: Um, you know, it would be it would be bittersweet, you know, because you know, I wanna be out there, you know, competing on the football field with my brothers, you know, my teammates, you know, just putting everything you know, out there, You're going there to have fun with them, you know. But, you know, but I'll be rooting them on 100%. You know, I will be tuned in, you know, watching them play against Minnesota, 7.30, prime time, you know. So, you know, I'm excited to, to see. Hopefully they win. They will win. You know, I believe in them, you know, the the grind, you know, they put in, you know, throughout the summer. You know, I know they work really hard, and I know it's going to pay off Saturday.
0: We're going to get into your situation with that a little bit, but before we do, I'm curious because people have asked <laughs> me, how is the Michigan football team going to be? And frankly, I don't know. You practiced mm-hmm. with a lot of these guys this mm-hmm. off season. What, what are we going to see? Who's going to, who's going to shine?
3: Everybody. You know, um, I feel like Joe Millen, you know, he's starting quarterback now. and I feel like he's going to put the offense on his back, and I feel like he's going to lead the offense in the right way. You're going to lead everybody down the right and on the defense. You know, um, you got Pay, you got Aiden, you know, you got Josh Ross, you know, those guys on defense, you know, those captains, you know. So, hey, they they're going to push the defense, you know. They're going to lead by good advice for the young guys. And, you know, they're going to leave it out there Saturday, you know. So, I, mean, I the team the team is very special, you know. they, You know, it's a very – we reloaded um, – and I feel like we we really got the team got something to prove. And I feel like they gonna prove everybody wrong. And because I feel like the whole everybody have a chip on their shoulder and they're gonna go out this Saturday and just ball out.
0: Nico, you wanna hear something interesting about Joe Milton? I remember being back in Ann Arbor for a charity event a couple of uh-huh. summers ago and was speaking to some people in the football program. And one person mm-hmm. told me at that time, they said, This Joe Milton guy, and at the time I believe he was a freshman. He has the potential yeah. to be the number one overall pick. And I said, come at me again? And they said, the number one overall pick. And I was like, wow. Now, yeah. again, yeah. I've yeah. never seen I've never seen Joe Milton play like that to know. But mm-hmm. do you believe what that guy said? And what does Joe Milton have that made him say that?
3: I believe in that 100%. You know, the, the things that Joe have, you know, his, his skill set, you know, his frame. You know, I feel like he's an NFL caliber quarterback. You know, and just his arm, his ability, you know, he, the way he just, his football, his quarterback mechanic, you know, it's just amazing, you know. So I feel like Joe, he has potential, you know, he's, he's his first, his first game starting as a starting quarterback. And I feel like once he gets comfortable, you know, get the game speed under his belt and once he just realized the game speed, he's going to take off from there. You know, it's sky's the limit for him. Whose game does he remind you of? He remind me of Cam, Cam Newton.
0: That's what he the coach told same, me.
3: <laughs> he got that same body frame, you know, um, the same height. He's about six six. I was about two, two thirty-five, two forty. He's he just he's ready. You know, he's he's ready, you know. He he's he's really on the mission. He's on the mission right now. You could tell, you know, his his time is now and I feel like he's gonna take off. That's so funny you said that, Nico, because
0: it's exactly they said to me, this guy has the chance to become the next Cam Now, again, yeah. look, a lot has to happen, and I don't like to put any added pressure on anybody, but that was the type of skill set that I was told that Joe Milton has, and I guess yeah. we'll all get to see him on Saturday night at Minnesota when Michigan opens the season. Now, I want to go back to your decision. Can you tell me what went into your decision to leave school to enter the NFL draft because I know back in January you declared that you had quote-unquote unfinished business to take care of in college. People thought you might be back there.
3: What happened? Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, I, you know, I came back, you know, for my senior season. You know, um, everything was going, going smooth, you know, just as planned until, you know, this virus outbreak, you know. And the one thing that I really impacted my decision, was when um, when we were supposed to play our set date was September 5th against Purdue, mm-hmm. you know. So just during that camp process and then they canceled the season and, you know, that was, that was heartbreaking for me, you know, because I wasn't sure, you know, when the next time, you know, they were say, you know, they, was, they were saying in the spring, you know, um, Thanksgiving, you know, it was, it was too many unknown questions. You know, mm-hmm. the answer. And like nobody really had uh, an answer to it. And, you know, so I just I sat down with my family, you know, and I just made a, a business decision, you know, because I kind of felt like I was just in no man's land for a minute. Cause I came back, you know, to, and, um, to play my senior season. and They canceled it, you know, like maybe three weeks before we played Purdue September 5th. It's supposed to be a home game. You know, I had that marked on my calendar, you know, and once they counted that and they said they wasn't sure when the next time, you know, we we would have a season, you know, they were standing towards the spring and you know, and I was it was kinda just like that's kinda that's kind of time, you know, that's training, you know, that's that's the time where I get prepared for the draft and you know, around what, December, January, you know, after the bowl game and you know, that was kinda the set day they were saying, you know, trying to push towards spring a little bit. So, you know, that was, I really just sat down with my family, you know, I just really had a business decision, you know, so I really appreciate, you know, my family just help, helping me out with that. And, you know, so that was one of the reasons, you know, there was too many unknown questions to be answered and nobody had an answer to. it. Was it a hard decision Nico? It really, it really was. It really was. You know, it was just, I had to do what, what was best for me and my family, you know, so it, it really was, you know, and once, and once I, you know, signed and got ready for, you know, come by, you know, and that's when they came out with the statement, you know, to come back, they were going to have a season end of October, um, play Minnesota on the 24th, and you know, it was kind of just like, kind of late, you know, it's eight games straight, you know, I just, I just don't want to get injured, you know, just. Something bad happened, you know, so it was just, it it just didn't feel normal for me. You know, it just, I kind of just felt like everything was just, you know, just forced almost, you know, just pressure. And, you know, I just made the right decision. You know, it's bittersweet for sure. You know, I want to be out there playing, you know, with my teammates and everything, but I just, I just had to make the right decision that was best for me.
0: Was there any part of you? that reconsidered and thought about opting back in the way some other players did or that never came up for you and wasn't an option, Nico?
3: Um, yeah, I, I considered it. You know, it, it was. It, it was an option. You know, I, I thought about it. And, you know, but, uh, you know, I just, again, uh, when that when I see guys opting back in, you know, again, that's when I, you know, just asked, you know, my parents, you know, just, we had a talk and, you know, I just felt like this, Getting my mind right and prepared for the combine, you know, was was the right decision for me.
0: Now, a couple of your a couple of your teammates also opted out. The starting right tackle, Jalen Mayfield, the starting cornerback, Ambry Thomas. Do you have any contact mm-hmm. and conversations with those men about their plans as well?
3: Uh, yeah. You know, I, you know, I talked, you know, with Ambry, um, and Jalen. You know, and you know, they are just doing what's best for them. You know, so I'm. Yeah. Um, you know, I was supporting Jalen, you know, going back in, up and back in, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him, you know. So, hopefully everything go well, and wishing
0: for the best. Nico, you're a 21-year-old guy, 21-year-old young man. What's it like for a 21-year-old man to not have school, to not have football, to be living in Pensacola, Florida, training for a draft that's in the spring that you know is going to be coming, but it's still a long ways yeah. off and requires some discipline. That cannot be a simple yes. thing for a 21-year-old person.
3: Uh-huh. Well, yeah, so right now, I'm actually, I'm still in school, Um, you know, I'm still in classes right now, you know, I'm still going to classes, Zoom calls, you know, so we, virtual classes, you know, so I'm still, I'm still in classes doing that, oh, okay. and, you know, I'm still, yeah, so, and I'm also working out, you know, so I'm still, I'm still, you know, maintaining, you know, um, between school and working out also, you know, so, I kind of just I see I'm seeing it as like if I was on campus you know the same thing you know classes were gonna be online going in for practice you know I'm just here in Pensacola just still doing classes and I'm just preparing for the draft and
0: and, and when are Let's you see, on that's... course to graduate Nico?
3: Um May actually. Oh so you're so, still um, graduating I'm gonna... everything huh? Yes sir I want to graduate. And what are <laughs> Make you? Gonna my get... proud. And what are you gonna get your degree in? Um so right now I'm general studies with a focus in social work. That's sure. awesome.
0: So, anyway, as you get ready here for the draft in the spring, are you going to be watching the game Saturday night by yourself with a friend? How are you going to do this here, Nico? Uh, yeah, I plan on watching
3: it with my family, you know, just just watching, you know, my teammates, you know, who I know has been putting in the work, you know, since last spring, you know, since we lost to Alabama in the bowl game, you know. You know, just – I'm just excited to see their performance – they're I know they're going to perform well Saturday, you know, and I'm just excited to watch them, you know, go out there and ball out, you know, and just have fun.
0: What do you miss most about school right now, being away from everybody?
3: You know, just, you know, just being around them, you know, the laughters, you know, the the good times you have, you know, outside football, you know, just, you know, just linking up with each other, you know, going to get school, playing a game, you know, just being around, you know, locker room talk, you know, that's always the best you know, just having, enjoying each other in the locker room, you know, and so that's that's one thing I miss the most right now, you know, but end of the day, you know, we all, we all brothers, you know, we all stay in touch with each other, you know, uh, we call each other, take each other all the time, you know, the same thing, you know, I'm just, just not there
1: in person, you know.
0: And as we get ready to embark upon this NFL career, Nico, just tell me what NFL teams are going to be getting in you and what fans will be seeing from you in the upcoming years that you'll be a
3: part of the NFL? Well, you know, the coaches, you know, they're they, they going to get, you know, a guy that's dedicated, you know, that's hard working and, you know, that's you know, that's focused, you know, on his dream and and, and motivated to, to get better every day and you know, and just very coachable and, you know, just Going out doing the football, still you know, just having fun, you know, and just enjoying the game, you know, that I've been playing my whole life, you know. At the end of the day, it's, it's just football, you know. That's what I've been doing my whole life. So, you know, the coach is gonna get somebody that's hardworking, you know, that, that loves the game of football, you know, and really enjoy it.
0: And I asked you about Joe Milton. Who he remind you of? Is there somebody that you've mm-hmm. tried to model your game after, or somebody who you think your skill set
3: could resemble at the next level uh, yeah, you know i I kind of you know my my favorite my favorite wild else to watch DeAndre hopkins yeah. um michael thomas a j green uh well yeah, those those three right there are my my top three receivers I really pay attention to, and you know really watch their game, you know, and just watch how they just play a game of football you know, and just study everything about them. You know, so as those those big guys, I really just study and, and, you know, just try to be like.
0: (laughs) Nico, keep keep working hard down there. Keep emulating those guys. Keep striving for greatness. (laughs) And I wish you luck with your decision, with the training, with your schoolwork, and with everything that's ahead. And we'll look forward to having you here in the NFL in the spring. Sure. And there is the former Michigan wide receiver, Nico Collins, who will be watching his former school, as I will be watching my former school Saturday night on ABC, Michigan, Minnesota, as Michigan finally gets to play. And I'm just happy that it's back because I've got a son who goes to school there. I've got friends, children who go to school there. And football means so much to that school and really to all schools, right? It's just a part of the college experience, and I'm glad that everybody will get to experience that, as well as the people who have put in the work, the players, know some of those guys, the coaching staff, like them. Everybody gets their livelihood back, and it's not normal. It's not the same. It is surreal, and it is different, but it is football, and it is back, and we wish Michigan the best on Saturday night. All right, before we get to Evan Kaplan breaking down Jimmy Garoppolo's return to New England, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Steelers and Titans, and now our next guest. All right, it is week seven. It is time to get ready for some big matchups, and that means it's time for ESPN analytics statistics guru, Evan Kaplan. Evan, how are we this week? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? All ready for another big week. We're rolling along here, Evan, and we've got some great matchups, and I think the first matchup that I look at this weekend is Jimmy G. Going back to New England, it's almost three years, three years since the Patriots traded Jimmy G to San Francisco, which I distinctly remember.
4: I, I do, too. I remember, I remember that night. I was, we were still doing Monday Countdown from Bristol. I, I believe you were in the studio. I was, oh. in, the, I was in the control room, and it was, it was one of the more wild shows that we've done.
0: Well, you know what happened? And I don't know that I've ever told this publicly. But literally, we were coming on air. Mort and I were scheduled to hit, as we are usually near the top of each Monday night countdown. It was yep. about 607, 608. We were about to hit. And I remember I got a call at about 601 about the trade. Okay. And obviously, we're about to come on air and I've got to confirm it. And I'm calling around. And there were certain things that needed to get done before I could report the story. And I remember just having the story. And telling the producers, yes, we've got this trade. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And I could never get the confirmation I needed until 8:20. We were off the air. And Monday Night yep. Football had started, and we spent the whole show. Okay, next yep. segment, next segment, push, pushing it back. Yep. It was it was maddening to not be able to get the story on Monday Night Countdown. But in the end, it worked out. We got the story anyway.
3: Right.
0: And it was a and at that time. What was so shocking about it was that the Patriots had been so adamant that they weren't going to trade Jimmy G. There were so many teams that wanted him all along. And then all of a sudden, it was like a switch flipped overnight. And bam, got traded the night before Halloween, the day before the trade deadline, in what at that time felt like a blockbuster deal. Remember that, right?
4: Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And and I remember to your point, I remember prepping graphics, starting it at, at 607 whenever you had it and and ready to go at any time and and look, eventually it happened and I think the interesting thing about the trade, there's a million different angles to get to with this. But let's just talk about the trade first. So, the Patriots sent Jimmy G to the 49ers for the 43rd overall pick, a second round pick in the 2018 draft. And as Bill Belichick has often done, he turned that one single pick into seven different players by trading back and trading with different teams. And over the course of the 2018, 2019, and even the 2020 draft, so over the course of three different drafts, he traded back and traded back, traded back, and eventually turned that pick into seven players. The, the most notable on that list, Jared Stidham, and Damian Harris, who had a, a strong game for the Patriots a couple weeks ago. And as you look at the trade, and we—it's—it could still be debated today. Right decision, wrong decision. Think about the success that both have had after the trade. The mm-hmm. Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo. They reached the Super Bowl that season in 2017. They won the Super Bowl the following season in 2018. Now I've realized Tom Brady's gone now, and then Jimmy Garoppolo for all of the criticism that he has gotten this season, some of it deserved for the poor performance, they were a completion away to Emmanuel Sanders from winning the Super Bowl with him at the 49ers. So I think big picture, that's how I think about it. I'm not sure how you think about that trade, Adam.
0: Uh, I think about that trade with the years it took off my life. And the two hours it took to confirm that story <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's how I, think. Great. I and i really mean that i mean no, that I'm is sure. how i think and that is how i will always remember that trade and that is how i will remember jimmy garoppolo yeah. all the calls and all the hoops that i had to jump through to get that story and wait on that story and usually in my world mm-hmm. i mean some stories it takes you days to confirm some yeah. stories are rather instantaneous usually on average you may get a call, and it doesn't take long. I'll tell you this, there aren't many stories, many trades that you know that are coming that you wait roughly two and a half hours to report. like right that right. that's unusual. And those were two and a half hours where I was pacing. If you had a odometer on me in the studio, I remember going back and forth back and forth. I must have walked probably you know four or five miles in those right. two hours, just back and forth, just waiting to get what I needed to get the people that knew to sign off. It was, it was, it was a tough, tough night. I'll just remember that it worked out in the end, but that's how I will always remember that trade. And Jimmy G obviously plays in the NFC West, Evan, and we've got another great quarterback matchup in the NFC West between Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And let me say this, on Monday night when I'm watching Kyler Murray play against the Cowboys, Remember that one run where he ran to the end? I think it was the end zone and he stuck the football out right into the end zone. And I said, that is so Russell Wilson-esque. And there are certain quarterbacks who are athletic and run, but don't ever seem to take a hit because they're so smart the way they play. That is Russell Wilson. And that is Kyler Murray. Totally agree with that. There are, you watch them play and the
4: similarities are striking and the there, there are, they are showing, and this is a point that Steve Young made on Monday night countdown this past week. They are showing that there is certainly a new breed of quarterback in the NFL where you don't need to be a typical six, four, six, five drop back passer. Russell Wilson has been doing it for really a long time now, since 2012, Kyler Murray in his second year. They're the only two quarterbacks who are listed under six feet, currently in the NFL, 5'10 for Murray, 5'11 for Wilson. This will be the third career meeting. And the fun thing is they play in the same division, so we're going to see them in the NFC West for years to come. And their starts have been historic this year. Russell Wilson leading the NFL in touchdown passes. He had the most touchdowns, tied for the most touchdowns through the first four games. Seahawks are now 5-0. Kyler Murray was the first quarterback ever with a touchdown pass and a rushing touchdown five different times over the first six games so he's really doing it both through the air on the ground look at their first two 22 games of their careers murray and really matches up favorably favorably to wilson in a lot of category russell has him in a few touchdown passes wins murray's got more passing yards more rushing yards the the thing that excites me the most about this matchup sunday is we get to see it so often like i mentioned so and it's a big game this is The the best division in football, the Cardinals improved to four and two with their win in week six. So now it's another test for Wilson and the Seahawks coming off a bye. This will be a fun one on Sunday.
0: You know, it'd be depressing to be a team in their division, knowing that you're facing Russell Wilson for the next six, seven, eight years, Kyler Murray for the next 10, 12 years. I would not want to be in a division with both of those guys, just like I wouldn't want to be in a division with Patrick Mahomes. Right. Some other great quarterbacks. So good luck to the 49ers and Rams as they have to go up against those defense wrecking quarterbacks two times a year. That's a brutal prospect to have to face. The other great matchup we have this weekend is a matchup of unbeaten teams that was supposed to be played earlier in the season, but due to the outbreak, the COVID outbreak in Tennessee is now going to be played now. And in a way, it, it seems almost fitting that it's going to be played now because it would have been a good matchup early in the year. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like a really enticing matchup with two unbeaten teams, both at 5-0. and What stands out to you about this matchup, Evan?
4: This is historic, Adam. It, it's only the eighth time in NFL history that we'll have teams play with records of 5-0 and or better. Now, two of those matchups were way back in the 1920s in the early days of the NFL. The other five were in the Super Bowl era. The team that won that matchup between 5 and O teams or better ended up playing in the Super Bowl that season each of the previous five times. So that was the, the 1973 Vikings, the 04 Patriots, the 07 Patriots did it twice when they went unbeaten in the regular season, and then the 2015 Broncos. That doesn't mean that the team playing, the team winning Sunday between the Steelers and the Titans will get to the Super Bowl, but it is interesting historical context that when you have teams that start off the season this well and meet, generally they've, they've played really well and, and gotten far down the road. And this is interesting. You mentioned the game being postponed from earlier in the season and the Steelers will play a road game for the first time since Monday, September 14th, the first Monday of the season against the Giants. The, the Steelers played their last four games at home and they spent actually five weeks at home, including their bye. That means Pittsburgh will go 41 days between road games. They still have seven road games left this season. So while they have looked as impressive as any team in the NFL, I think, uh, still an interesting remaining schedule for them. And then as we get away from the historical context, we talk about what's going to happen on the field. This is really strength on strength, right? This is Derrick Henry, who Mm -hmm. has been the best running back in the NFL over the last season and a half against a Steelers rush defense that is top of the league in most category. They lead the NFL in our run block win rate or run excuse me, run stop win rate stat where they are beating their running blocks better than any other team. So this is this is one of those games that's going to be fun to talk about the lead up because there's a lot of great historical notes. And then I think from from one to four on Sunday it's going to be a really fun game to watch also.
0: And one other similarity between these teams, they both lost essential pieces, both Michigan men. The Steelers lost Devin Bush, the former great Michigan linebacker, who was their defensive play caller, to a season-ending torn ACL on Sunday. And the Tennessee Titans lost their great offensive tackle, Taylor Lewan, another Michigan man, to a season-ending torn ACL. You know, I spoke to Taylor Lewan, kind of funny,
4: yep.
0: last week, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking on the phone uh, for the first time in a long time, and, and he was calling me Mr. Schefter, and I said, please, <laughs> Taylor, stop that right now. I, uh, which Which always – and and he said, do you remember uh, doing this charity event at Michigan in Ann Arbor called Mock Rock that I flew in for on a February night to raise money, help raise money for the school? And I said, yeah. And he says, I was at that Mock Rock event. I remember I said, I just, again, between attending a college charity event with Taylor Lewan back in the day and having him call me Mr. Schefter, um, these people are just aging me by the day, not to mention what 2020 has done. Evan, I really appreciate the time this week. Thank you very much. Enjoy the games, and we will see you in the studio for Monday night's Bears-Rams game.
4: Thanks, Adam. Sounds good.
0: And those are a few of the main central storylines for this upcoming week. A storyline from last week was two of the men, the great men that we lost. One old, one young, two great people, And two lost lives in a year where we've lost way too many people. Vaughn McClure, who covered the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN.com, lost his life last week at the age of 48. And all I could say is that Vaughn McClure was a great, happy, cheery, caring, thoughtful guy. In fact, the Falcons fired their head coach and general manager after week five. And he and I exchanged some information and I filed some information to the desk. And sure enough, on October 12th, so that would have been a week ago last Monday, on October 12th, I got my last DM from Val McClure and he wrote to me and I'm reading it exactly as he sent it. Thank you. As always, brother, you always make me look good. And I sent him back a text on October 12th at 10:04 a.m. that said. Great work by you. And that was the last correspondence we had, and that's the kind of guy he was out of nowhere, just sending me a text to thank me for making him look good. when he didn't need me to make him look good. He always looked good anyway. He was that kind of guy, and the tributes that poured into him this past week were fitting and appropriate, and he will be missed. As will Sid Hartman, a legend in the sports writing community, and truly on the Mount Rushmore of greats in Minnesota history. And Kevin Seifert at ESPN told an unbelievable story not long ago where Sid Hartman was at the Super Bowl where Prince was performing. Prince is from Minnesota. Sid Hartman's from Minnesota. And somehow he finagled a Vikings executive, Bob Hagen, to bring backstage to meet Prince. And Prince recognized Sid Hartman. Of course he did. Who wouldn't recognize Sid Hartman? He'd Had worked in Minneapolis for 84 years. He lost his life at the age of 100. 100. Was still writing columns until he was 100. I can tell you I will not be doing this to 100. I can tell you I'll be fortunate to make it to 100. We'll all be fortunate to make it to 100. Sid Hartman made it to 100, was working at 100, was thriving at 100, was beloved and respected, and is one of the great sports writing heroes of all time. And he lost his life on Sunday. Those were two great men. And it felt only fitting to just pay our respects to them one more time on this podcast. All right. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting this podcast together. Thank you to our guests as well. George Kittle, Nico Collins, Evan Kaplan, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be joined with more great guests, hopefully more interesting information. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.